Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Listening to you talk that stuff. Talk Memphis, oh yeah. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome to Talk Money, where we talk about everything financial. Today's program, should price be the most important factor when you're buying your property and casualty insurance? Well, of course, if you listen to the advertising world, that would might be an answer would be, yeah, probably. Well, Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams are here to help us understand the components of the insurance side of a good, solid financial plan. Home, auto, and liability coverage, what do you need? What's the price should you pay? You don't want to listen to these guys. They've got a lot of information for us. Some people struggle with no Knowing what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals. Going to college is a dream for a lot of people, and either for themselves or for their children. And going to college without acquiring an enormous amount of debt is truly a dream for many. Frank Lacarica is here also to discuss with us basic ideas of how to pay for that college cost and stay out of debt. Setting some habits that can lead to success, whether we talk about a 529 plan or an UGMA, boy, you'll want to find out what that means, is all important for college planning and for your child or your grandchild. You'll want to grab a pen and t- piece of paper and take some notes when these guys are on the program. From our Did You Know files, speaking about college education, here's something from the Strata Institute. It says four out of ten college graduates are underemployed in their first job. Now, two-thirds of those five years later later, are still underemployed. So it makes you wonder if you're truly preparing our students, if we're truly preparing our students for the jobs needed today. That is why planning for college cost is so critical. If you happen to be one of those underemployed and have a lot of debt, that could be a major disaster for you. So here's something that I think is important. Justice Anthony Kennedy Currently, the longest-serving Supreme Court justice is retiring at the end of this month. Justice Kennedy, 30 and a half years on the nation's top judicial court. It ranks him the 14th longest-serving justice in history as as of August the 3rd of this year. We'll have four of the nine current justices will have served at least 20, well, yeah, 24 years. Now, all right, if he's the longest-tenured justice— who, let me give you this one, Justice William O. Douglas. He is the one that's been around the longest forever. He holds the number one spot as of April. He served from April the 17th, 1939 to November the 12th, 1975 for 36 years, 209 days. He was appointed by Franklin Roosevelt and Justice Douglas was 40 years old and he is, of course, uh, was the longest serving. So if he's the longest serving, you've got to have the question, who holds the status of being the youngest? Well, that honor would go to Chief Justice, not Chief Justice, excuse me, Justice Joseph Story, who was 32 years old when he was appointed to the bench in 1811, and the oldest to settle the court was Justice Oliver Wendell Holmes, Jr., who served from 1902 to 1932. He retired at age 90. 
Wow, just a little history about the Supreme Court. Coming up, Shannon Dyson, Dane Williams, to discuss the insurance components of a financial plan. Also with us, Frank Lacarico, how to pay for college costs and stay out of debt. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Lecarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I have with me today Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams and Frank Lacarica. Now, we're, we're going to be covering a lot of subject today. And it's, you just have to kind of buckle your seatbelt and stay with us because we're going to cover some information that I think you'll find to be extremely important when you're putting together your financial plan or anytime you're talking about just managing your household. It's a, it's a tough subject, but it's a subject, subject that I think we all need to embrace because it's important when we when we put down the fundamentals of any financial strategy or a financial plan, whether it's a fee-based plan or one that you've just put together yourself and you're going through the process and you put it on a piece of paper, you've got to kind of look at it from a pyramid standpoint. What are the foundations of the pyramid, the cornerstones? And a lot of times it's health insurance, life insurance, homeowner's insurance, car insurance. Well, those are the insurances, things that you can't protect by yourself. Now, some people can. I agree with agree with that. But most of us have to have some kind of insurance plan to put together the idea of a foundation in case we have that unexpected, you know, it maybe we just that's going to happen to the guy across the street, not me, but it's that unexpected catastrophe, whether it's an automobile accident or a, a roof ripped off your house or your leak or something, maybe you burst a pipe or you have a car, the car accident that you were not planning on, the person that hits you is uninsured. All of those things happen. So here's what we want to talk about. How do we know what the components of a formal financial plan? Let me introduce you to my guest. We've got Shannon Dyson. Frank Lacarica and Dane Williams and Dane, you know you you're here. You're working in the PNC business and and with that side, Shannon, you oversee all of this. And I'm asking you that question first off: is what are what are these components when you talk about a good basis of a financial plan? What are the components you're talking about? Well, first, thanks for having us back again. I appreciate uh, being here. But yeah, there are a lot of a uh, lot of things that go into that. I think a lot of people um, are thinking when they hear home and auto insurance, the first thing they think about is, okay, how much am I paying for my home and auto insurance? Maybe their thought does not go directly to what are my the coverages that I should need or coverages that I should have. Um, the worst thing that could happen to you, and we, and we talk about this with clients all the time, is you're, you're trying to save you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 dollars per month, but you have not looked to see what are my coverages. And when you're with uh, somebody like Frank, who's a financial advisor, who can sit and say, okay, look, let's talk about, you, you may save 20 or 30 dollars per month, but what if that unexpected thing happens? We don't expect anything to happen to us. We, we go through life and we think, well, that's never going to happen to me. Um, and so our thought processes may be around price. And what we would like to say is that maybe your, your thought process, price should be important. Uh, but maybe when we're doing this as a part of a financial planning process, maybe we should think more about coverages than price. So the comment that we hear on the news, or not on the news, on the when we're watching television that we get this, why 15 minutes may save you 15% on your car insurance, 
You know, that's nothing wrong with that. That's fine. It's good that, you know, we have the free enterprise system. But the reality is sometimes you might save, as you said, 15%, and it could cost you because you don't have the right coverages. So when you talk about the components, I mean, this is home insurance, auto insurance, umbrella. Dane, when, when we're looking at that, putting some of these biggest issues to, to thought process of the cost, we put a ton of money into a, ha- a car or a ton of money into a house and not properly insuring it is a disaster when the disaster happens. Absolutely. You know, we, we talk about it from whenever I was on the financial plan- planning side that we want to make sure that we're investing in our biggest assets, but are we protecting them as well? Because that can really devastate any financial plan that we spend years and years uh, investing into. And then from there, life happens. Uh, we have a fire, we have an accident where someone's really injured. And then all of those plans really just go off the rails at that point. So making sure you've got the right insurance in place to protect your biggest tangible assets is incredibly important when it comes to a financial plan. So I guess when we when we think about this, I want us to make sure that, again, that's nothing wrong with the commercial. Why 15 minutes may save you 15% on your car cost, your insurance cost. But you need to make sure that you have the right coverages. Shannon, walk us through what you mean by that. So having the right coverages, we're, we're looking at um, a car that you may own uh, that is, let's say it's a, a $30,000 or $40,000 uh, automobile, um, and you're driving down the road and you think, well, I've got enough coverages because I meet my uh, requirement of having car insurance. You Re- know, Requirement? You're talking the, about the, sti- state? The, the state? The state requirement. I meet that requirement okay. of having insurance, and so I'm, I'm okay. Um, the state minimum, basically, for having car insurance, though, is a $15,000 property in, in the state of Tennessee. Um, if I hit somebody uh, that has a car that is over $15,000 and it's my fault, guess whose responsibility that is to pay that? Is it going to cover just the $15,000 If I cover the state minimums, if I just have state minimums in the, in the state of Tennessee, $15,000 is the, all the coverage that I have to replace somebody's property on the car that I not, hit. Not replace yours. Not yet. replace mine. That's just replace the car that I hit. Um, and so th- that's what we are talking about when we say let's make sure that our coverages that we have are proper. Uh, you could be paying into a system. I just thought of something. Yeah. So here I'm driving down the street. Here comes a guy with a Lamborghini. I'm going to pull over to the side park. Yeah, just don't get anywhere near that car. <laughs> not, not a bad idea. Not for a sure. bad idea. Stay just away. Don't get close. Just I've don't seen get close. some of those. You know, I was, you know, driving down Germantown Parkway, you see somebody driving downtown. You see a Rolls Royce. You go, okay. So now on, I see that coming. Yep, I'm on the side. Well, it, you know, the thing is, we we pay into. I, I say paying into the system, but you're paying a premium every single month. The worst thing that can happen is you have something happen, you're not covered for what you've been paying for for the entirety of your life, and you just don't think about, or we don't think about in general, uh, what are the actual coverages when something bad happens. We're just thinking about, okay, I'm covered, I have auto insurance, and I'm paying as little money as I can per month. That's the key, as little money as I can per month to meet those minimums. Frank, when you're talking to a client in the office, and I think you're you're going through this fundamentals of this component thought process of a plan, and you're saying, okay, I want to work with you in this, as we build this financial pyramid, and you're working through that. I mean, do you find people look at their insurance side as being, I'm okay with this because I have an insurance plan, and and how do you help them understand what they really, are they covering and are they doing all they need to do and they're not leaving themselves exposed? 
so much of the of the planning process is exploring deductibles, exploring limits. Um, when when you're looking at financial planning from from a, from a thirty thousand foot view, uh, you want to make sure that you're taking a lot of those risks off the table. If 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 your goal is college planning, or your goal is to buy a house, but you know if, if if you're in a car wreck and you don't have the correct coverage, you don't have the correct limits, it, it kind of wipes all that other planning out. Uh, in the event that there's some kind of legal action taken against you. So, so much of what we do is focused on the, the insurance-based products, even the PNC-based products that, that, you know, obviously Shannon and Dane know, know uh, infinitely more about the nuts and bolts, but, but to make sure that in the event that we need these products, that they're functioning correctly for our plan. So absolutely, we look at it. It's it's a vital part of everything uh, of, that we do. All right, guys, this is critical. Let's talk about this. Now, you know, I guess I'm looking from a standpoint of knowing these insurance limits and, and going through that process. Dane, help us, help me understand the, when I say limits, because I think what we do, and I'm guilty of this, you know, I, I mean, I probably, uh, I, I know it's important, but I don't put the energy for the amount of money I'm spending on my PNC coverage. I am not putting the energy to know what I've got. And I know I'm talking to a lot of people that do exactly the same thing. It's just the nature of the beast. I mean, my insurance agent says, I got, you got the coverage. Here it is. And I'm sure that it's not that it's not that they don't do it right. Or they're not doing the best for me. I'm just not paying attention. Then something happens. And then I'm upset because it's not the coverage I thought it was. How do you help people understand that? Knowing how do you help people understand the insurance limits, especially let's just start with a car. Sure. Uh, the biggest thing we want to do is get a handle on what's going on in your life, the same way we do on the financial planning side of things. If you've got a bunch of young kids that are driving in your house, or maybe you've got a, a property where you have some fun driving that takes place, then you may need to carry some higher limits because you do have some additional risk that you're exposed to. Just like on the financial planning side, we want to understand what's going on with our clients. Because there's not just a cookie-cutter answer that fits for everyone. We have to understand what's happening in your life and make sure that we have the coverage that equates to that level of uh, lifestyle. So, Shannon, the, the state of Tennessee requires, based on what he's saying, this lifestyle, but there's 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 some requirements that are minimums. Right. That you, gotta, you mentioned that earlier. Yeah, so the state of Tennessee requires uh, limits. You see them in, in, three, in blocks of three. So you'll see a 25, 50, 15. Uh, and what that is basically telling you is that the twenty-five is twenty-five thousand dollars, the fifty is fifty thousand, and the fifteen is fifteen thousand. Um, the first part, that twenty-five thousand, is collision. Uh, so that's going to cover the repairs for your car or car when you're collided with someone else. So it's going to cover basically the collision of. Uh, helping you if there's any sort of liability. Somebody sues me because I hit them. I've got $25,000 per person that is going to be in that accident. Okay. The the $50,000 is the uh, the amount that is for the entire accident. So if there are two people in the car that I hit, they each get and they and they come they say we have medical bills, our medical bills equal $25,000 each. Then we have those two $25,000, 50,000 is the total that that insurance policy will pay for the entire accident. So as you can see, $50,000 in a serious accident probably is not going to go very far. Um, and that's what we're talking about when we say the, the legal uh, limits or the legal minimums probably aren't enough for you to carry. So so we need to look at that from what you would say. Dane, would you tell me then, if you're talking to someone, how do I know if, if, if I say, okay, the legal limits, the minimums, 
are just not enough. How do you guide me to know what to buy? What am I? Well, I mean, again, cost. Again, at 15 minutes may save you 15 percent on your car insurance. I hear that over and over and over again. Great commercials, all those things like that. But how do you help me know that that may or may not be the best thing to do? Well, as a firm, we've gone ahead and set minimums that state minimums are just not enough. Uh, I think as a department, we've decided that 100, 300, 100 is probably a better place to start. Shannon said 25, 50, 15. So we're looking at, you know, almost four times as much coverage just to start with for anybody. And then when we start looking into your lifestyle, that's when we start saying maybe you need to go higher to to 250000 500000 maybe even a million dollars of coverage, we're taking a look at it. It's what do you have to lose? What can you self-insure against? And really what's happening in your life? And, you know, a lot of times I know that you actually get into the idea of how many miles are you driving? Sure. If you're driving a lot of miles, your exposure to having some kind of an accident. In today's world, uh, you know, I have a, on my cell phone, I, uh, I when we were driving over to the studio today, my I got a text from somebody. And my cell phone, I somehow somebody did this for me. I don't really know how I did it, <laughs> but I did it. It says, I'm currently driving. If this is urgent, you know, please call my office. Uh, you know, so they didn't. But it says, I'm not going to respond because I don't have my cell phone where I can see it while I'm driving because I've not had a wreck. But I tell you what, it, it, you get to the habit. If somebody texts you something at beach, you reach and pick it up. And, and I just said, no. Nope. It's like Pavlov's dog. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, know, you hear you, a beep and you pick it pick up. Pick it up. Yeah. And so, yeah, I was trained well, you know. Yeah. And so <laughs> I just said, I've got to stop doing that. I'm not going to make that possibility of me. I mean, you drive down Germantown Parkway, you know, downtown Poplar Avenue, 385, I mean, wrecks are all the time. And I'm not saying that the wrecks are all caused by people texting or on their phone, but you know people tell you this. I mean, the statistics tell you that reality is more often than not, that's what the cause is. And so what you're trying to tell us here, there is need to be a minimum liability because we are susceptible the more we drive. Sure, and, and people may be listening today thinking, well, that sounds like a lot of coverage, 100000 300000 that sounds like a lot. But what, what happens in an accident, if you're at fault in an accident, um, you may think, well, that person's going to go, if they have to go into the hospital, their insurance is, their health insurance is going to pay for that. Uh, I may have to pay for their deductible or something along those lines. Well, what happens in those situations, they don't file that with insurance. And so those bills can rack up pretty quickly. I don't know if you've ever been in the hospital and looked at an explanation of benefits that you get from your carrier. You'll notice that the, the total charge is way higher than actually what you're responsible for because the insurance comes in and gets a big discount. Um, that's no longer the case when you're in an accident. So they're, they're racking up those charges, and those are the full charges that you are responsible for. You know, I, I have to give you a personal testimony, and, and I don't, we don't do this a lot, but this is a case where I think it's just reality. I, this was pre-cell phones, and so I wasn't in a cell phone mentality, and I ran into the back of somebody. This is a long time ago. And, and you know, literally, we drove off. Sure, it was a, my fault, totally. I got a ticket. Got it. No problem. She drove off. I drove off. I mean, I, I think it, I don't remember exactly who it was, so male or female. Drove off. Everybody was fine. A year later, I got sued mm-hmm. with about two and a half inches of paper and about 20 inches of medical bills. And fortunately, someone had said, you need a, an umbrella. And my umbrella just took care of it. But the reality was that lawsuit really 
gave me an in, the insight to knowing from back what you said, Frank, the reality of having a financial plan, knowing that cornerstone of any good plan, fee-based or just a strategy that you're putting down on a, piece of, you know, on a, you know, on a piece of paper, is to know what you're trying to protect. Because what I've thought I'd have been sued for that, no. But I understand she had a legitimate problem because she had medical bills. And so, therefore, I understood that. Fortunately, I had the liability to take care of the umbrella. So let me ask you this. What is umbrella coverage? I want to make sure everybody talks about that. Dane, tell us about it. Yeah. Essentially what it does is it extends the liability that you have on your vehicles and on your home to where you get additional coverage in case something exceeds that. In case you go over the two hundred fifty, five hundred thousand dollars bodily injury limits that you have or across the property damage limits that you have, you have additional coverage that's in place to protect you when that happens. It's usually pretty cheap. Uh, we see that you can get a million dollar policy for a couple hundred bucks a year a lot of times, depending on what you've got going on in your life. So it really makes sense if you're carrying the right auto coverage already to go ahead and look into having an umbrella policy to cover you beyond that in case something happens, that there is some significant injuries that go on. Frank, you see a lot of people that come in and you're talking to them again, back to your thoughts of this fundamental foundational part of a financial plan. Do you see a lot of people that have umbrella coverage or is this one of those things they just forgot? Hey, I I don't. As uh, the short answer to that, the the, the more uh, involved answer is I don't know that it, it's so much they forgot about it. Is it's just not something that these insurance companies like to mention because the cost on it, as Dane mentioned, is so cheap. And oftentimes, when we're looking at that type of insurance, we're massaging deductibles and and, and changing limits. Um, and, and you're all you're often able to pick up that additional million dollars of coverage for like Dane said, I mean, you know, 20 bucks a month. It's just not that expensive. And there's there's the the it's it's not the likelihood that it would happen. It's that if it in the event it does happen, it doesn't destroy your world. Because as you said, uh, you know, you get served with uh, a twenty-inch stack of papers full of full of medical bills. You know your car insurance is going to go. Hey, you know here's fifty thousand dollars. Good luck. Yeah, yeah, and that's a it's an unfortunate situation. You know I have to say this. We'll take a break, but I, I have to say this. I called my insurance company and told them the situation. They checked into it and they called me back and said, "Well, we're going to take care of it, but you do need to hire you an attorney." And I and I thought, "Whoa, for what?" I thought, you, "Well, we will cover this, but you need to cover." your own liability from a lawsuit standpoint. So it was it got my attention, guys. It really did. And I guess I guess what I want you to know if if you're listening, the reality is you don't want something like that to happen to get your attention. That's normally too late. And so we thought today we would try to give you the overview. And again, I have nothing it's negative to say but about the commercial. Why 15 minutes may save you 15% on your car insurance. I think everybody ought to look at their car insurance, their homeowners, their liability umbrella. See if you can save money. Price is important because if you can get more coverage for less cost, 
Good for you. Absolutely good for you. And sometimes you need to look at different carriers that will help you do that. An independent agent can move in and sit down and go through multiple different kinds of companies to do that for you. So that's important. When we come back, I'm going to ask these guys to describe homeowner's insurance and what's important about that in Memphis and the Mid-South. You're listening, of course, to KWAM 990, The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon as research or investment advice regarding any funds or stocks, nor should it be construed as a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. While we're talking with Shane Shannon Dyson and Dane Williams and Frank Lacarica, we're discussing at this point of the program, we've been going through the idea behind knowing how much liability coverage, how much property and casualty coverage should you have. We've gone through this idea of maybe having an umbrella. It's inexpensive, an umbrella coverage to cover that idea of liability and knowing that that's just part of any good solid financial plan and when you look at it from when we when we at the office put together a plan it's that overall plan you know it is a it is not just a strategy it's obviously we it's a fee-based plan we go into the plan where we sit down with you and let you kind of guide us through and we feel it's very important in any plan to look at the proper insurance coverages, and that's a foundation, foundational, fundamental part of a plan. So we're talking today about property and casualty insurance, that umbrella, the car insurance, the homeowners. And, Dane, I, I want to go to you because homeowners insurance, if a home, if you've got this, you've spent a lot of money, and a lot of times with anybody that's developing a plan, this is probably one of the largest investments they've made. Their home. It's that place that they live with. That's that place they raise a family in. It's that place they have memories in. All of those things happen. So you want to make sure that you've got the proper amount of coverage. And I hate to say this because as soon as you say it, everybody says, well, that won't happen to me. In the event of a total loss. Tell me about it. Yeah, I actually had a client yesterday. They told me, well, we don't plan on having any claims. And I said, well, that's that's good because no one plans on it, right? But right. life happens. And one of the things we want to do on the home side of things is making sure that your home is insured for what it would cost to rebuild it. That is important. Um, and if something that if you haven't updated your policy regularly, the cost of goods continues to go up. The cost of labor continues to go up. And if you haven't updated what, what your home is insured for, then a total loss could happen. And you may not have enough money in place to be able to rebuild your home back to like kind and quality like it was before the loss. You know, that's uh, does that run with inflation when you do that? or Because right now, I just was reading something recently, the cost of building today is actually outpacing currently the inflation market. So let's say inflation's at 2, but it's costing 6, 7, 8, 9% because you've got a shortage of this, a shortage of skilled labor is unbelievably short today. So what happens when, that's, when that occurs? It's incredibly tough because, as you're saying, uh, with the job market being so well, skilled labor is getting more and more expensive. And then you have other things that are factored in with the price of oil impacting shingle cost or lumber prices going up higher than inflation. Different things like that are really driving the price up to rebuild. And we're really seeing just a, a dramatic impact and making sure your home is insured correctly. is huge. We have a, an insurance rep that, that we talk with quite frequently. And she always says, if, if any of the people that you're trying to write a homeowner's policy are arguing with 
the the value that we're putting on the home to rebuild it, which is called coverage A. So just tell them to walk through Lowe's and see if lumber prices have gone down or gone up recently, <laughs> and then and then that should answer their question. Yeah, and boy, there is an enormous amount of activity there. A lot of things going on. That's that's important to think about, guys. Here's my last question for you, and I, it's one of those questions that I, I I think a lot of people. I know it's until you guys explain it to me, it's confusing, and it's some one time it's kind of one of those things where. I don't think people grasp it. What is this the difference when you say percentage for a deductible instead of a flat amount? Help me with that, Dane. Go through that process. What does it mean when you see the percentage for a deductible instead of a flat amount? Yeah. So that's going to be depends on how the contract is written. The deductible initially is the amount that the homeowner, the insured, is on the hook for before the insurance company is going to pay anything. Oftentimes you'll see maybe it's a $1,000 deductible on a home initially. It's a flat rate. You've agreed upon it on the front end, and that's what it's going to be before they'll pay any cost. If you have a $1,000 deductible and a $2,000 claim, the company's going to pay that second $1,000 for you. If there's a percentage deductible that is in your home, then it's going to be a percentage of the total dwelling cost. So if you have a $300,000 home with a 1% deductible, that means you have a $3,000 deductible. As we have to increase the price of your home to rebuild, that means your deductible is moving with it if you have a percentage deductible. That can be a tough planning process. It's a moving target for sure. We want to make sure we're monitoring and making sure that you still have the adequate emergency reserves in place to be able to cover that deductible in the event that life happens to you. So I'd like to be completely transparent here. When I first got married and we bought our home, uh, I had a policy that had a she, 1%. She could be listening now. You she know. probably is. <laughs> I don't think I ever told her this because I wanted her to think I was smart. But Sorry, Joe. <laughs> I, uh, we bought a home and we uh, went the ch- uh, a less expensive route on the homeowner's insurance and I took a 1% deductible for all claims. Uh, my thought was that, well, if I had a claim that was a $2,000 claim, my responsibility would be 1% of the 2000 and that's all that I would have to pay. It seems like a great deal <laughs> to me. Well, that's not the case. And like Dane said, it is one per, if, the, if you have that percentage deductible, it is a percentage of the overall coverage A, the cost to rebuild the home. You have to understand that. You've been listening to this, of course. I'm talking with Shannon Dyson, Dane Williams. They're in our insurance side of the company. If you'd like to just ask them about what we've been talking about, liability coverage, property and casualty, homeowners, those things, just give them a call at 757-5757. Coming up, when we come back, regardless of age, a topic that is a concern of most people is understanding how much is it going to cost to go to college. That's going to be Frank Lacarica. He's going to be with us. We're going to walk, walk right through it. You need to grab a piece, piece of paper and a pencil. Take some good notes. You're listening, of course, to KWAM 990 FM 107.9. Thank you for listening. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Having become a victim of its own economic success during the war years, the population boom placed great strains on the city's infrastructure. Despite issuing nearly $15 million in new bonds for school buildings, hospitals, sewers, and transportation improvements, the city struggled to keep up with the progress other southern cities were making. Yet the area in which the city was most behind its peers was not in its infrastructure, but in its political system, dominated for many years by Boss Crump. The defeat of the Crump-backed U.S. Senate candidate John Mitchell in 1948 
coupled with Crump's opposition to President Truman's civil rights program, signaled the coming end of the one-party system in Memphis and the growing strength and political involvement of African-American Memphians seeking to correct the racial inequality in the city. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Investments will fluctuate, and when redeemed, may be worth more or less than when originally invested. And now, back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money, and thank you for listening. My guest, Frank Lacarica. And we're talking about how much does it cost to go to college. So many people struggle with knowing what to do to achieve their financial dreams and goals. And we know that. You ask a lot of questions to us. We try our best to get those answers to you. But going to college is a dream. And I understand that. I remember that when I was going to college, just it was a, a thing that I wanted to do. It was a, you know, it was a great accomplishment, whether it's for yourself or your children. Going to college without acquiring an enormous amount of debt is truly an objective worthy of putting a lot of effort to it. Well, Frank's here to help us understand some basic ways to pay for college costs. But before we go that Welcome to the program. You've been with us already for the first half of the program. Glad to be back. And it's good to have you with us. Now, let me just let's start with this. College is expensive. It is. And uh, so let's kind of <laughs> go through that mindset. Yeah, the, the, the first is, is cost. How much does it cost? Uh, according to the annual survey of colleges, the average cost of a four-year degree at an in-state public university, $74,000. You want to go out of state? $127,000. And if you want to go to one of the fancy private institutions and really get a bang for your buck, $166,000 a year. So, I mean, I mean, those are, I mean, when I listen to you say that, now I didn't pay that much when I went to college, but we will not talk about when that was, okay? <laughs> but the reality is anybody who's anticipating the, the fact that they're going to college, it is so easy to say, I just have to borrow the money. It is. there, And the government makes it easy for you. There are so many programs available to you out there um, to, to, to get the money to go to college, which, not getting into the, the weeds, but it kind of leads to what you mentioned at the beginning of the program. There's there's a lot of kids coming out with college degrees, and, and they're, they're underemployed. Underemployed, and they got a lot of debt. Yep. All right, let's talk about some things, some characteristics as far as understanding if you're going to pay for it. I know we've we've talked before on the program about a 529 plan, mm-hmm. about a Coverdale education savings account, about UGMA. I actually mentioned that in the, you know, in the monologue. I'm sure everybody's going, what is UGMA? We're, we're Uniform Gift to Minors Act, and that's what it is. Or maybe permanent life insurance. But let's go through, if you're going to talk about whether it's mm-hmm. a 529 plan, an UGMA, a Coverdale, whatever it is, give me some some characteristics that I need to consider before I make any decision about which plan to take. Yeah, absolutely. But before deciding kind of which one fits best for you and your unique situation, um, there, there's there's a couple things you need to consider. Uh, control. Who controls the account now and in the future? Do, do you maintain control? Does your child uh, uh, get control at a certain age? You want to talk about flexibility. Who can contribute how much and for what purpose? Uh, do you know what the future holds? Do you know that your grandchildren are going to or children are going to attend a specific school, a specific place? Or do you know if they're going to go to college? They may not even go. They, I mean, that's schools. okay. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, taxation. How are the contributions tax deductible? Are they tax deductible? Tax deferred? Just figuring out how the, these contributions are going to be taxed because there, there can be some advantages in, 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 in from that arena. 
financial aid, uh, assuming you can qualify, uh, will there be an impact on financial aid uh, eligibility? You know, uh, what, how to structure it to make sure that we get the most out of the universities before we start paying? Growth and accumulation, what are the prospects for the vehicle's growth over, over the accumulation period? You obviously want that money to make money while you're saving uh, to, to give you more. And then estate planning, there, there are strategies that you know, may not reduce your taxable estate, even though you have given away the money. And, and there's others that, that, that can offer significant estate planning benefits. So that one's a little more probably geared towards the, the grandparents, but there's still benefits to it. All right. Let me make sure we, we cover that because control, flexibility, taxation, those three critical. Know, mm-hmm. know how much control, know the flexibility, know how it's taxed, whatever you're doing. And then, of course, financial aid, growth and accumulation, estate planning. Those six, there just happen to be six. Now, what we're talking about is the 529, the Coverdale, UGMA or UTMA, and we won't get into that, permanent life insurance. So now, I let's start first and foremost, because you hear a lot about the 529 plan. Walk us through specifically what is a five two nine plan? Uh, qualified tuition program, um, and it's it's it, it's important to understand that you know your state of residence may offer tax advantages to to people who participate in the state plan. Meet you got to meet certain conditions and requirements, so you may miss out on some advantages if you choose another state's five two nine plan. Um, they many of the states' benefits it should be you know an appropriately weighted factor when making a decision to invest in a five two nine for future. So your state is important. Absolutely. So it, we're looking at three states in our list. Listening audience, Tennessee, Arkansas, and Mississippi. But if you move to Indiana, they have a different 529 plan. Absolutely. You need to be sure that you're spending the energy and the effort to know what that state is. Right. And again, talk with your advisor because they're they're, going to have all this information kind of readily available, which one makes the most sense for you. So we talk about this from a standpoint that 529 does offer significant income tax benefits, some tax-free earnings, and some... So it's tax, it's that first characteristic, knowing something about flexibility, knowing something about the taxation of a 529 is very, very important. Can... You use this to pay for all of college, or uh, not all of college? Uh, you know, and that's one of the things to consider. It, you can use to pay for tuition fees, books, supplies, room and board. I mean, you can't use it for food or any other ancillary okay. expenses. It's all just right. the 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 expenses associated with attending, you know, university. All college. right. Here's the question I have for you. I've got uh, two daughters, and so both of my daughters went to college, and maybe I have four kids or something. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm talking to somebody, and two of the kids say. Yep, going to college. And the third one says, nope, going to the military. Doesn't, didn't go to college. Just said, nope, going to the military, yeah. which happens a lot. I see that a lot. So if I had this 529 for the third child that was going... Can I transfer it to the other two, or what is it transferable to another child? It can be transferred in between in between your children, absolutely. So it's not a situation where, you know, I will shoot. You know, we've, we've made these plans, and now, you know... Dan doesn't want to go to college. He wants to go serve his country honorably, and that's what he wants to do. You're, you're not pigeonholed into, into a loss there. You can transfer it down to the fourth child, and hopefully they go to college. Okay, fourth child. No, no, no. No more children. Uh, so, so I guess what we're saying, if you look at the characteristics that you described earlier, mm-hmm. it meets those first three, control, flexibility, and taxation yeah. without any problem. Mm-hmm. That's, that's strong. That's very strong. I know that sometimes people think, okay— 529 plans, everybody's got them. They must have some kind of a guarantee to it, and I know that's not the case. So 529 plans do not guarantee what? 
that contribution is going to make it to the, you know, it's not going to be the investment returns or not. It's no guarantee that just because you're in a 529 plan, it's going to cover the cost of these. Oh, absolutely not. No, it, it, you're, there, there's no guarantee that, that they're, they're going to return enough to adequately cover the cost of a higher, you know, higher education. Um, and, and, you know, the similar with any investment, this is an investment for college. I mean, the, 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 contrib- the contributors to the plan assume the investment risk. I mean, you, you could lose. It's not, it's not a guaranteed win. Um, but it's just something that if you plan long term, you should be fine. You know, I guess I think what I think probably we want to make sure people understand college planning is a is a real sometimes can be very difficult because there's so many moving parts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that there are so many different options and options, options, meaning you can do a 529 plan or you may do a 529 plan along with a UGMA, yep. back where we use that term again, or a Coverdale. You've got so many thought processes that mm-hmm. you can go through to help a person understand. We're going to take a break, and when we do, I want to make sure that, that we cover the Coverdale plan okay. and help people gain some insight to what that really means. And I think what I think people forget Planning for college and giving, you know, whether it's a way of helping a child step out of college, having accomplished something, and not have that enormous amount of debt, that's a plan. And that's really what we're all about. Absolutely. All right. So when we come back, we're going to talk about the Coverdale Education Savings Account and why you might want to consider that, why it has some flexibility for you, why it might give you some benefits that a 529 plan may not fit, but put them together. You're listening, of course, to KWAM, The Voice, FM 107.9 and AM 990. I'm Jim Shoemaker. My guest, Frank Lankarica, and this is Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Life insurance products contain fees such as mortality and expense charges, which may increase over time and may contain restrictions such as surrender periods. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. And welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening, of course, to Talk Money. My guest, Frank Lacarica. We're talking about ways to make sure your college graduate is not heavily in debt when they graduate. Now, you may want to start, like a lot of people do, try to anyway, when that child is born, and you're looking for what alternatives. Can I just set aside money in the tin can and that'll help? Sure it will. Anything helps. But we've talked about a 529 plan basically known as the Qualified Tuition Program. It is flexible. It is one that you can look at from a taxability, taxation, taxation standpoint, the control, a lot of things you can have with that plan, a 529 plan, but it doesn't guarantee there's no magic to it. It's an investment. You put the money to work inside it. It doesn't mean that it's going to you know, assume that all these investments are going to always go up just because it's a 529 plan. It's a regular investment. You just start early. You give it a long-term horizon, and you move from there. Frank, let's quickly cover the Coverdell Education Savings Account. Okay. Uh, yeah, the, the Coverdell, uh, is, it's, it's, a, it's established in either a trust or a custodial account. Um, the contributions uh, must be made before the uh, 
the the child turns 18 and cannot currently exceed uh, $2,000 per child in any year. The contributions are not deductible, not tax deductible, um, and earnings are not taxed if used for a qualifying expense. But you know, withdrawals are not you cannot use for education expenses are taxable to the to the uh, to to the uh, benefic- beneficiary beneficiary at their ordinary rate. Okay, so it's just an ordinary income. So that could be the child. Could be, yeah. Okay. And that did, figuring out those tax rates can be complicated. So, um, and you can, the, the neat thing about the Coverdell that you uh, you can use it for private elementary and secondary education K through twelve. Okay, so you so can you use start it. using it early. You can start using it early. If if, if private school is the, the way you want to go, it, it you can use it for that. Um, the the thing about it is, it make sure it needs to be used before age thirty. Um, if it's not, it's subject to ordinary income ten percent penalty. Um, but you can, similar to the five two nine, you can change the beneficiary to you know another family member of the original beneficiary. I got you. Okay, so so it's one of those things we should consider. It it's an should option. be a part. It's an option. I like right. the way you said that. It's an option. All right. UGMA and the Uniform Gift to Minors Act and UTMA, Uniform Transfers to Minor Act. These are custodial accounts. I like the fact, I mean, we don't see those as much because of the fact that that donor is an irrevocable gift. Now, Here's the thought. You have this grandparent that says, I'm going to give money to my grandchild irrevocably. It's a gift. They get it out of their estate. And used to be that was a big estate planning thing that we would see. Don't mm. see that need that much anymore. Not as common. 529 plans have almost replaced UGMAs. But you may see some people that still have them. I see some that still have them. They made that irrevocable gift, and the child can do that. The tax treatment can be complicated. Because it is, of course, of the child's tax rate. So you got to look at your CPA, get your mm-hmm. CPA to get involved with that. Don't just get into one of these thinking you've done it all right. You make sure you do that. But here's what's nice about an UGMA account. It can be used for anything. Anything. First house, car, and I've had some grandkids that have all of a sudden reached the age of majority. The irrevocable gift that grandfather gave them 25 years ago is now theirs. And uh, it doesn't get used for college. It doesn't get used for college. <laughs> it doesn't get used for a house. It gets used for things that sometimes. Oh my goodness! I uh, it was not good. So you have to you have to know the grandchild. You have to kind of know what control. To do. You got and again, you know, always talk to your CPA when you do this because there are some tax things that you've got to know that you're putting together from that standpoint. Permanent life insurance is obviously one of these things that which you could use. A lot of people get into that, but that's um, you need to be careful with that. You need to know what you buy. There's a lot of cost inside the insurance mm-hmm. plan. You need to understand that fees and expenses, loans, withdrawals, all that's part of it, but. If you do a good job of designing the plan, it can be very, very effective. And the good thing about it is a life insurance plan is self-completing at death. So if I'm the grandparent and I want to make sure my grandchildren have a college plan and I die prematurely, it takes care of it. Yep. Fully funds it. Um, it just it, it's an option like anything else. And, and, and when working with your advisor, it, it may be that one of these is a great fit. It may be that a combination of these, you know, really makes the most sense. So um, you just you want to consider, you know, control, flexibility, taxation, 
financial all the all the characteristics we talked about at the beginning just just let's go back one. over those one more time okay. because i think that's important you talked about control now let's make sure we understand yeah who controls the account is all it right. you or the child you or the child flexibility how much can you contribute what's the purpose you know make sure that uh if it, what's it for if there's a specific purpose for it specific school make sure we're funding it correctly all right that's critical taxation are they are you know is it like an ugma are you looking for for a way to to do some estate planning with this or or do you want your contributions to be tax deductible tax deferred just how are the contributions going to be taxed and and, and we always tell people when it comes to taxation get your cpa involved get somebody that knows that laws or what's going on because you don't want to make a mistake when it comes to taxes right Right. Third, financial financial aid. aid. Uh, assuming you qualify, what's the impact? You know that that's one of the the benefits to the permanent life insurance. If you decide to go that route, if it's a component of your college planning, it's not counted in your assets when applying for financial aid. So there's an advantage. To there's that. an advantage to that. Okay, growth and accumulation. You know, uh, you, you obviously you're you're investing in this over time. The the, you, the the earlier you start with a child, the the the, the more opportunity there is for growth. It's not guaranteed, but you know you want to. That's why it's important to consider different state plans if it's a five two nine, et cetera. Well, we've covered a lot of things, guys, and there are many options available today depending on your financial situation and your, ob- and your objectives. And I just want to thank you, Frank, for giving us that. appreciate all the happy, information. Happy here. Thanks for having me. Always, we want to say speak to Frank or anybody at the office to review your college plannings to get started. But don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Get started today because you don't want that child to walk out and have a huge amount of debt. I've asked Shannon Dyson to come back and, ask, and just bring us an update on what's going on with health insurance in the state of Tennessee. So I've been coming on here several years, and I'm about to say two things that I've never said about the individual health care market. Prices are going down, and there are more insurance carriers coming into the Memphis market. Those are the opposite of what I have been saying over the last few years. Uh, but this year, uh, Cigna filed for a 4.8% decrease. Uh, Blue Cross across the state of Tennessee applied for a 10.9% decrease. They filed that. Uh, Bright Health, Oscar Health, and Ambetter are all insurance carriers that will now be available for individuals in the Memphis market beginning for 2019. Shannon, just real quick, we're we're running out of time quickly, but here's the thought. Do you think that's because they're pricing it better? They just are finding out more about what it's going to take to price this? It's been seven years. Uh, they've been pricing without knowing what health conditions they were picking up. Uh, yes, I do believe that they're getting better at it, and they've decided that they can uh, give a decrease this year because we've had multiple increases over the last few. Wow, great information. Of course, I appreciate you guys being here. I'm Jim Shoemaker. You've been, of course, listening to Shannon Dyson, Frank Lecarica, and Dane Williams. We covered a ton of subjects. You can listen to this program. Just go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Listen to it again. Take paper and pen and take some good notes. You're listening, of course, to I'm Jim Shoemaker. You're listening to Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker and Frank Lecarica are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services, Inc., securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.